time to discuss fascism. Today's episode is regressing the propaganda machine. This episode is brought to you in part by the Nerd On Nation, powered by Patreon. Our patrons allow us to continue to make the show and keep the lights on. If you are new to Patreon and what that is, it is essentially a membership service in which you can support your favorite creators like us, Trump Time. For as little as a dollar to five dollars a month, you get early access to episodes, a Discord community, and so much more. Check it out on nerdon.io backslash Patreon. And with that, we're good to start today. So today we're going to talk about, in this lovely month of July, all the patriotisms have been going around. So we thought it was a very appropriate topic to, um, a very appropriate time to discuss fascism. Hey, <laughs> Yeah, because it's it's definitely gotten, at least for me in the post 9-11 USA world type of a thing, where it became so much more kind of intertwined with like what was patriotic versus what is nationalistic versus what is, you know, an us versus them type of a deal that it got very, very dicey. And it's only, I think, been ramped up um, since then with the culmination of our current administration. And I think we could definitely talk about how in various forms of popular media, we have examples of that. Not just America, it happens all over. So with that, let's go ahead and define our friend fascism. So fascism has been going on primarily in the early 1900s, right? Um, Starting in Europe. Yay! Yay! Um, So basically, it's a political ideology and mass movement that has taken its name from Mussolini. You know, he loves him a good brand. So (laughs) he was our earliest fascist leader in Europe. Kind of saying like, we're the best because we descend from Rome and they were awesome. Basically, it's just saying that you have this semi-totalitarian where you have a control of the people by the government and, you know, big on oppression and big on all things of very us versus them. And so we want to kind of explore that in a little bit more detail within different forms of media. So what did you want to tackle first, Nikki? Um, why don't we tar- start with, um, go way back, and let's start with Captain Punching Nazis. Yeah, Captain America, specifically scientifically created within comics to fight the Nazi threat and fascism. Exactly. Which, um was all the rage back in the day to go punching a Nazi. And then when we move and flash forward to MCU, we end up having it be like, no, no, wasn't the Nazis. The Nazis weren't the problem as much as Hydra, who were the clear fascists. And you're like, who 
were they though? Well, they're, they're basically Nazis. If you look at their uniforms, if you look at their imagery, they are very clearly Nazis. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe they were the scientific occult hand of the Nazis, but you know, Nazis. I mean, I can understand, well, no, well, from a business perspective, taking Nazi, literal Nazis out of the movie was probably like a smart move, I guess. But yeah. I feel like they should have just owned up to it. Yeah, and the, the way that it was presented in the movie, which at the time didn't bother me as much, but now the more that I think about it, I'm like, ooh, okay, well, I could see how that became a door opening. Um, where pre-Serum Steve is yet again trying to enlist in the army. Mm. And the doctor comes out and is like, so what do you want to just like punch Nazis in the face? And he's like, no, I'm just, you know, I think I should stand up for what's right. Which, yeah, it's, a, it's a, such a fine line because it depends on what you define as right. I yeah. mean, a lot of bad stuff has happened on this whole, like, well, we got to protect ourselves from the elusive and highly, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Dangerous? I mean, obviously dangerous. Yeah, but it's but, like a, a characterized, a caricature of oh, a people. It's never an actual person. It's like an extreme exaggeration of like the word person could possibly come across. Yeah, like a caricature. Of yeah. either a culture or uh, ethnicity or even a country, because sometimes you have a lot of cultural similarities and it just boils down to them and whatever the hell them is defined as in that time. Um, so, yeah, Cap. Also, born out of Nazi punching was a Wonder Woman. Very good. Very good. But I did notice, what was it? I was reading an article and when it came to, what was it? The Cold War? Mm -hmm. They, it seemed like they didn't have, a, Captain Orbison wasn't punching people anymore. He seemed to be dealing with, or maybe it was Vietnam. It's Vietnam because Cold War was, was very like, yeah, spy. Never mind. Yeah. Just forget about that. Well, that a huge backlash against, you know, the military complex within a lot of things, uh, particularly here in the States. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, you're not going to sell a lot of comics to little kids when you're just like continuing this unpopular war. Yeah. Um, I guess if you want to talk also, um, Sauron and to a lesser extent, Saruman, mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, um, and you saw the Tolkien movie, the biopic. Yes, I did. Talk to me about that real quick, because I think that's a great um, segue of how that is clearly about fascism. I did have a lot of problems with it from a perspective as a huge Tolkien fan, because mm -hmm. they attributed way too much to his experience in war, which I admit influenced his works somewhat, but I'm pretty sure not to the same to that much extent. Mm -hmm. But um, so if you see Sauron, I'm sorry, Saruman, um, 
he tears down the trees all around his tower mm-hmm. to create a literal army that's very reminiscent of, at least scholars um, believe that it's reminiscent of um, his childhood. He used to grow up in this beautiful farmland mm-hmm. that felt sacred. He used to call it like his own fairy tale land. And that's where he did a lot of his imagining growing up. But it was taken down for the, the industrial complex. It was slowly, he had to see his beloved lands being taken down and replaced with factories manufacturing items for World War One. Yeah. Um, and then eventually he was drafted into World War One. Um, he survived, but there was a lot that went on there. Um, they did a lot of exaggerating in the movie that there was a literal guy named Sam that he had to save. And I don't believe there's really any. Oh my goodness. Yeah, they, they did. And then um, they also had a lot of imagery where he saw the opposing soldiers as black riders mm. in war, which I also, like I said, they took a lot of liberties. But um, Tolkien was also very famous for saying that there was no allegory in his works because he hated allegory, but <laughs> he did. But it's almost impossible to not insert your life experiences into yeah. your own work. And you can very much see that with his experiences with war and what was going on in his country through the lens of Saruman and Sauron. I mean, Sauron is all knowing and he wanted to control people. He enticed them with power. He mm-hmm. gave nine rings. Um, please, sorry, it's been a while. He gave rings to men and to dwarves and three rings to um, uh, some of the higher beings um, in hopes that they would be corrupted so he could easily control them. Right. I mean, isn't that just some 101? Saruman um, actually tried to work for Sauron um, hoping to overthrow Sauron and take his entire empire. Like one does. Like one does. Um, so you have two competing people for power. Um, regardless, the whole the whole point of the book is that power, absolute power, corrupts. Yeah, and the council is a better way to go about it, I guess. Well, even then, um, Saruman was the the white. He was head of the council, and even he was easily corruptible, corrupted by power. Mm-hmm. Gandalf ended up having to take that. And yeah, and apparently it's only cool because he's like super into nature. Oh, well, he is really into nature. If you really want to go into nature, sorry, side side rant. You go to Radagast the Brown, who was only yeah. really featured very, very little. Yeah, Honestly, he was very, very against anything that wasn't nature. Exactly. Or that inf- rather that infringed on nature. Mm-hmm. I guess would be a better way to phrase it. Yes. Um, honestly, I wish we knew who else was on the council. I think they really rarely talk about them and we never see them. But anyways, going back to my original point, yes, Sauron and Saruman, fascism. And <laughs> check. Check. All right. So we were also talking about, um, we brought up the Cold War briefly about how it got like really dark. Yeah. Um, in the 80s 
We see that in comics a lot where it's like everything has to be gritty. Think mm. of it as like the first wave of what Zack Snyder's DCU would be. Like that's where he gets it from and thinks it's cool. Um, so you've got a lot of Alan Moore. You've got The Watchmen. Oh, that came out in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you've got The Dark Knight Returns, which brings us a really gritty, brooding Batman mm-hmm. um, who's very tortured, obsessive, and like, he's got issues, right? And then you also have um, a situation where like Superman keeps losing his powers and getting it back and then losing his powers and getting it back. And it's very tiring. But within this whole thing, you end up having this kind of like slipping into with absolute power corrupting, right? So you have this situation where like, well, where is that line of the good guy, bad guy? If the good guy is always beating up on quote unquote bad guys, right? Is that still okay, no matter how far it goes, um, how how violent it becomes? I'm looking at you, Alan Moore and Watchmen. Um, and we will do a whole other thing about how I'm not his biggest fan. But anyway, um, so we were talking about basically this picture-perfect type of person. It's, you know, like our, our classic heroes are very of one type. I mean, uh, they're not all blonde, but, but they, they are very like white guy centric. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like um, in a lot of comics, it's very black and white. Who's the good guy and who is the bad guy? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of excusing away what the good guy does mm-hmm. because it's only towards quote-unquote bad guys yes and in the beginning kind of um era of comic books it was very much more clear-cut because it was exclusively marketed towards little kids right so it was a very black and white yeah and then the kids grew up and the kids grew up and wanted to continue those stories and so you have the situation where that line does become more blurred and you start seeing a little bit more of like, I mean, that's where the suicide squad comes from, you know, like you, oh, well, can you really make space for that kind of um, unilateral judge and jury or like judge dread? Anyway, but what I wanted to talk about was another one which is super interesting and delves into this um, fascism. And if you look at when it came out and then kind of look at right now and you're just like, what year is it? I feel like we're redoing everything. We did Aladdin. (laughs) We're redoing fascism. So V is for Vendetta. Yeah. So you have, instead of a strict military complex in that one, we have more of a, pharmaceutical complex mixed with media control of the media um that then ends up controlling the government i guess yeah a lot of control and fear and spying on neighbors and um 
curfews and corruption of power by those who are in that game, you know. Um, and it also had that whole like us versus them type of scenario of the targeting of certain populations within the overall population mm-hmm. as the quote unquote expendables yes. for the sake of control, basically, and fear mongering. A very similar um, uh, movie, Repo the Genetic Opera, where the more surgeries you have, Mm-hmm. Um, makes you uh, it, it elevates you within the your status within um, the community and the country. Um, and basically, the government is run by the top company. The basically the only company that makes all these different body parts, like faces, to enhance your face. Um, different eyes that enhance you, different different body parts, and it creates a black market for body parts as well. Not only that, if you purchase a part and then you can't make the payments, they repossess it. And sometimes you may have replaced like your heart or something, and they have no idea. They don't care about the consequences of repossessing that part. Oh, dang. Yeah, you will just die. So it, it puts a divide between. Yeah, it's Repo the Genetic Opera is Repo Man. Repo Man came, I think, came after. But that it's makes sense. I would say the American ish version of that. Yeah. I mean, this story has been told for a while as well. Um, there is an anime called um, Galaxy Express 3 9 which mm-hmm. also talks about artificial bodies and those who cannot afford those artificial bodies, which are um, given out by the wealthy and the government and whatnot. If you mm-hmm. are poor, you cannot afford it and get one, and you are you can't live within the city. And um, the rich people and politicians will actually hunt you for sport. Yeah. What is that in Japan, though? There's a lot of Japanese movies and such where it's like human kill sport things oh you're talking stuff like battle royale yeah yeah kind of lord of the flies ish mm-hmm. but like yeah. you know that you paid for yeah except these people did you basically the more money you have the higher you are in society um and the more influence you have but even though um it seems like you appear to have a choice because if you have more money, you can choose to go up. If you have no money and you can't make money, you don't have a choice. And it's all controlled by one company. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that seems like a common theme, which also reminds me of, um, it's been a while. I think the movie's called Gattaca. Yes, exactly. Um, where you can, they control the birthing process and they match you with people with good genes. So everybody yeah. has good genes. Um, and they genetically make you like a better person. Uh, but there are still some people that are born out of love and like by accident. And those people are considered to have less superior genes and are relegated to lower jobs and to just being on the bottom totem. 
Uh, I feel like genocide goes hand in hand with fascism, which is why we, we're bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, because the Nazis were definitely against the Jews and blamed everything on the Jews. Huh? It's against anyone who did not Catholics. fit their current yes. definition of us because it kept changing. Yes. So at first it was like, oh, if you're not German. And then it was like, well, really what we meant was... If you're not white and blonde. And then really what we meant was that you're not Jewish. And really what we meant was that you're not LGBTQ. And then really what we... And they just kept defining it. <laughs> if, if you were Catholic, also no good, you know? Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of that. There's a lot of... Um... And I think the reason why we're on topic with this is even though we're talking about older media right now, um, it's still, it's coming back. It's very relevant to new media, mm-hmm. which I feel like we're going to talk about in a little bit, but let's focus on I mean, Watchmen is coming to TV again. It is. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm not with, by the way, but we'll discuss that yeah. later. But uh, I think I also wanted to talk about um, uh, I wanted to touch on um, comedic portrayals of fascism, just briefly, um, in particular Mel Brooks and his, um, the way he portrays Hitler multiple times mm-hmm. um, uh, in The Producers and in uh, To Be or Not To Be. Have you ever seen that movie? To Be or Not To Be? I feel like have. You said the producers and all I could think of is the song. Springtime. And then just thinking of how messed up it is that they would try to make this flop and then everyone loved it. And you're just like, dude, that's like right now. Exactly. Where you're just like, no, I mean, this couldn't possibly work, right? Oh, geez. The thing is, I don't know. I don't know if it worked because... People thought it was funny because they were making fun of Nazis or because they were supporting Nazis. It's that line. I it's think that very careful line when you're just talking about like all in the family. They were supposed to be making fun of and having the social critique on the dad, mm-hmm. Archie. But then a lot of people are like, he's the everyday guy. And you're just like, is he though? Is he supposed yeah. to be still that dude? I mean, that could very well be Mel Brooks' whole point because Mel Brooks is Jewish. Um, shocker. Shocker. For any, like, spoilers to anyone who did not know that yet. So I think his point is, as a Jewish man, this is supposed to flop because it's horrendous. Right. Granted, like... They still portrayed Nazis as hilarious beings and over exaggerated them because they don't want to give them power. If you put them like harmless. Yeah. If you put these particular people in roles that give them power and make them look powerful, it's propaganda. If you give them, if you portray them as funny, bumbling fools that can't get their shit together, it takes the power away from them. Except for the people who already agreed with those points of view and then feel like it humanizes them. Hmm. Which is, I again, that, that line, it's like, are they laughing with you or at you? Agreed. Um, right. And then 
I believe they pop up briefly in Blues Brothers as well. The, the Nazis of Illinois. No oh, goodness. That are on the bridge. Um, <laughs> I, I, I always find this scene funny because um, it portrays like, well, at the time, because back then having Nazis around now would be really weird because... That would never happen again, right, guys? Exactly. So it's like a group of 20 people. And even the police are being like, we got to, they were protesting on a bridge with signs and stuff like that in outfits, Nazi uniforms. And um, I believe, uh, what was it? The two main characters are like, I hate Illinois Nazis. And they run their car through the whole thing and they all have to jump off the bridge and get wet. And now they're on the Nazi shit list. And now the Nazis are coming after them the entire time. But they're constantly portrayed as fools that can't get their shit together. And they keep fucking up and getting into scenarios that are almost cartoonish. But that was also at a time when everybody thought we'd never see Nazis again. I feel like timing is relevant. Yeah. Yeah, um, and like a lot of like surveillance state type stuff where you're just like, I don't know. All right, let's 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 get yeah. back. Let's get back. So let's go more Japanesey stuff. So you and I earlier were talking about the vision of Escaflone kind of riffing off how it's very similar to the Lord of the Rings in that you have this industrial complex yes. of the Zybok Empire is super controlling they experiment on their population one of the most tragic i think character reveals um and in for me anyways that like i was just like physically not okay after they revealed um that he was uh that he was the sister that had been lost alan's sister yeah. They oh, broke. you're talking about oh, you're talking about the Landau. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyone who did not watch Vision of Escaflone. You should by 20 the way. years ago. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the Landau being the sister and they genetically modified her. They broke her brain. And broke her brain. Um, to the point where she would waver between genders. It's like she was not okay. I mean, yeah. he, like, neither persona was okay. Let's just put it that way. But it was all in the name of science and all in the name of, like, achieving this maximum control. And you know, that theme is parallel to one of the other themes going on is the search for Atlantis. Where the mm-hmm. whole story of Atlantis was they reached too high. And then they fell. And Zybok, yeah. Yeah. And um, don't, uh, not don't, don't, Alan's father went in search of Atlantis. And he also met his peril. Right. Um, and now Zybok is trying to gain the power of Atlantis in order to basically take over the world because they believe that they are right. All right. I am. And it's run by, oh my God, I can't, who is the Zyrebok Emperor? He's a real person in real life. Is it Edison? 
No, 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 no. He um, was like a sexy type dude. That like, oh my God. Oh, I'm going to look this up right now. I'm going to look this up right now because it is like bothering me. He was... Oh God. Dorn Kirk. Yes, he's, but he, he was a scientist. Yeah. I'm going to click on him. He's not Darwin. He's Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton. He's known as Isaac. Which I guess why people are drawn to each other and why they act the way they do, aka I don't know, gravity. Yeah, which makes sense because wasn't Newton thrown in jail? No, he was like Mister Fancy Pants. He was the uh, director of the British Science Okay um, Society, and he actually like got into this huge beef with Robert Hooke. Because Robert Hooke was like, yo, you're not crediting me on some like gravity thing mm-hmm. when Isaac Newton was trying to explain uh, planetary motion. Mm-hmm. And so Isaac Newton hid all of Robert Hooke's scientific discoveries and like work and burned his only known portrait. Holy shit. Like, that's how petty Newton was. Yeah. No. Oh, I thought he was the one. Oh, I'm thinking of Galileo. Oh, Galileo. My bad. Um, so yeah, so Emperor Dornkirk's design, character, and origins were based on Sir Isaac Newton, an English mathematician, astronomer, and physicist, uh, known for discovering, I use that in quotes, gravity, and for his three laws of motion. And so, um, yeah, it's very, like, controlling. He had to control time, and he kept doing the destiny prognostication engine, remember? Yeah, and you know, it's very relative to... Like we said, um, we were alluding to Icarus flying towards the sun, and eventually he had to come back down because gravity. So I think it's very, very, um, very fitting that they used Newton. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. It's such a good series. All right. Oh, yeah. It's not too sucked into it. Um, we were also going to be talking about Attack on Titan. Oh, so, okay, this has actually happened. Um, when the original manga chapter came out, there was some discussion. But to be honest, most people watched the anime. So it took some time for the anime to catch up. Um, but there are very fascist undertones. Um, yeah. For example, they never portray the military as bad. The military is always right. The um, the leaders can be incompetent, though, but the military knows everything. And mm-hmm. the military, um, let's see, eventually Aaron finds out that he's descended from this amazing race of people who wielded the power of titans. And one of the kings of this um of this empire apparently um, disliked the infighting and caused a civil war um, for another country to come in and take over. And that country sentenced all the war criminals to an island um, and erased their memories. So they thought they were the only survivors on earth and everybody remaining um, had two things happen to them. Either they were literally had articles of clothing with stars sewn into them (laughs) or they were injected with this fluid which 
made them into, I think, pure titans. Um, they were mindless, mm -hmm. set to wander the island where some of the other, the brainwashed population is to terrorize them. So um, Aaron and his band of his military now, because the entire time he's rising through the ranks of the military, now he has people on his side, um, has decided that they are going to overthrow the existing government and kill them all and take them over with the military and create a, I mean, having the military be in control of everything because it would be better. And the creator has actually come out and said that the, I think it was Aaron or some of the characters were based on, what is it? See, Isam, Isayama admitted that a supporting character was based on real life Japanese general Akiyama Yoshifuru, which is a very highly controversial figure in Japan. Um, I mean, fascism, fascism takes forms differently in each country. So anyways, this general served in the Japanese Imperial Army from 1916 to 1923. Um, so he's considered a hero in Japan, with Asayami admitting he found the general an admirable figure for his actions in the first Sino-Japanese War. Um, Yoshifuru was responsible for countless atrocities against Korea and China during the Japanese occupations, um, including um, comfort women and massacring and everything. Um, it's a long history, but basically what it boils down to, the creator is pro-fascist. Yeah. And like I said, it takes place in many different forms. Um, some other anime, which kind of portrays fascism, um, one I can think of is uh, Code Geass, where Britannia, very clearly alluding <laughs> to Britain, I mean, how much more could... Anyways, has slowly taken over, little by little, bits and pieces of the rest of the world. I don't know where they got that idea from. Right. But as they conquer different areas of the world, um, instead of naming them like states or something, they relegate them to area five, area two, area blah, blah, blah. So mm -hmm. Japan was taken over by Britannia, and the emperor's son, Suzaku, had a choice, I guess, basically surrender or serve under the current Britannia military. Mm. So Suzaku decided that he would serve under the military because his idea was, I can change the system from within. While his best friend, um, and who happens to be one, the son of the emperor, Lulush, um, was a ward of Suzaku's family as like to create negotiations and shit when he was little. Um, mm -hmm. Suzaku hates his father. I'm sorry. Um, Lulush hates his father and decides that he's going to basically become a terrorist and blow up everything. Because those are your two options, everyone out there. Yeah. And spoilers, he actually ends up becoming emperor. He becomes yeah. emperor and willingly takes on everybody's hate. And then he fakes his own assassination. To what end? I guess to give power back to Japan. 
and everybody sure. else that was but this emperor has like 20 freaking heirs this yeah. guy like had so many freaking kids like i'm pretty sure another one was going to come up from the ranks that we didn't even know about right but right. it's this um a struggle between working within the system right and working outside of the system and it blew up in both of their faces so so like you know just submit just submit there's no everything will be fine yeah just go with the flow of you know totalitarianism that always works out yeah and like area 11 which is what japan was designated as um basically there were ghettos with japanese and then the British people were allowed to live in wealthy areas and have high class education. And um, Suzaku was constantly discriminated against. There's a lot going on there. But I feel like it also had a lot to say about colonialism. (laughs) Just a wee bit. Just a little bit. (laughs) But Britannia was basically an all seeing, all knowing, um, we're all right because we're Britannia. Yeah. It's definitely a theme. Um, speaking on areas and taking over and everything kind of jumped into my brain. Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. Got a lot of fear, control, um, very us versus them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, gratuitous violence. As always. As always expected. Um, <laughs> if we want to go into, like, some slight imagery. Um, I had mentioned uh, just briefly Scar and the Lion King during his mm-hmm. song Be Prepared with yeah. the uh, Nazi hyenas. Yeah. I thought. And in a children's cartoon. Yeah. There's a lot of like intense stuff in kids' cartoons now, especially as I like watch them. It's like, ooh. Which actually reminds me of another cartoon. Have you ever seen the uh, movie Wizards? Wizards. It's cartoon? It's cartoon from like the 70s. Let me see. I'm going to Google the picture. It was done by the guy who did Fritz the Cat. So basically this guy wanted to create adult cartoons in like the 70s. -hmm. Um, I think he also directed... The Lord of the Rings cartoon by Ronkin Bass. He was very. Anyone went ahead and started Googling this at the same time I did. Dude looks freaky. Oh, yeah. He had a lot of weird stuff. It was the 70s, I think. Yeah. So, 60s, 70s. He was weird. In any case, um, it's about this fairyland being invaded by science and machinery. Mm-hmm. Um, which. Oh, dude. There's a huge swastika in this picture. Yeah, it's the first um, animated feature ever to use rotoscoping as a technique. Mm-hmm. Um, in any case, it's about these wizards, one of them who just doesn't care anymore and is forced to go on this journey um, because he needs to fight his brother, who's evil, and who discovers this lost technology buried in the ground, which happens to be Nazi propaganda. Mm. And... Um, he uses it on orcs and the orcs are obviously brainwashed by the propaganda and go along with anything he says. Um, 
And his goal is to resurrect literal Nazis. Man. <laughs> so in the very end scene, the two brothers face off. And like all it takes is, I think it's a commentary on, I, I don't know what exactly the point was right now. I probably will later. Anyways, so actually, no, I get it now. Now that I think about it for that 10 seconds, um, his brother, the one sent by the fairies, ends up, instead of using magic to kill his brother, ends up shooting him with a gun. Oh. And he dies. I didn't see that one coming. I know, right? Um, and that's the end of, I guess, fascism. That's all it took in that movie. And everything's good again. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was some, they're trying to say something like, it'll always come back to bite you in the ass because someone else will always want to usurp your power. But it was kind of weird that they chose, that it, this cartoon chose to use literal Nazi propaganda and imagery in the movie, not even fake propaganda or just, you know, notes of it. They used actual propaganda videos in the movie, which is kind of weird and kind of scary at the same time. You want to switch it up to modern imagery, Izzy? Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about one of the main critiques that we had of how they dealt with Daenerys' storyline. Mm-hmm. at the end of Game of Thrones is that they take they made her super not just murdery but like just the speech she gives oh at yeah the end was very like us are going to be the cleansers of the right or something you know like it was just very uh the yelling didn't help I guess <laughs> well <laughs> so, I mean if you look at it now at the camera angles and stuff Mm-hmm. Um, she was very up high, looking down at an army in very perfect, neat rows. Yeah, and everyone's in, in a very uh, similar outfits, as it were. Mm-hmm. The and chanting. There was a lot of chanting. And it was very, like, us versus them. Yeah. Because I'm right. Which we already discussed in our previous episode, which you should check out. Yeah. Of why we thought I mean, and um, the thing that I wanted to talk about um, that just jumped right back into my brain when we were talking about this is how there's always this sense of that military complex. And I'm going to bring it back into our 4th of July kind of context, right? Mm -hmm. How it's very much okay to go out and you know, be patriotic towards the other bad guy. So like, I'm back at the 80s, right? With that really toxic masculinity. I'm going to call out Rambo. Like, is it all right that he's doing all these things? And just going out and like, teaching all uncivilized nations of the world through violence. But is he? America. Right? America. And then Michael Bay receiving all kinds of money from the military, different branches, of course, to make the military be like super duper prominent in all of his movies of late. 
And you and I were talking about this, how for Avengers Endgame, mm. there was, no, not Endgame. I'm talking craziness. I think it was for Civil War. This Civil is what War. I want to say. It was for Captain America, um, Winter Soldier, because we were had, that's the big reveal with Hydra, yeah. right? That Hydra is in S.H.I.E.L.D. and has been this whole time and blah, blah, blah. Um, has finally made the society so used to and so fearful of all of this random quote-unquote violence that they've now given up their will and would rather be controlled for the sake of the illusion of security or whatever. Um, so apparently, the military was going to give him money, saw the script, wanted changes and marvel's like nah we're cool we're gonna keep it the way it is right now and so they didn't receive that stipend or whatever the hell from the government which i thought was super interesting given the undertones of like you know government is not something you should blindly follow that's very seems very like i don't know soviet russia e well Computer brain dude, I forget his name right now because he annoyed me. Okay. Um, was Hydra? Oh yeah, okay, yeah. From the jump, like he was the Red Skull's main dude. Mm-hmm. Not main dude, like they were doing it. Maybe they were, but it was his main science guy. You know what? Major franchise that I'm really surprised you didn't bring up that I just remembered. Freaking Star Wars. Yeah. There has been a lot of talk right now about within, quote unquote, the fandom, as if we were like this whole one body. There's clearly all kinds of divisions. But anyway, there's been this talk about how we shouldn't refer to at least the First Order as space Nazis. And um, I have feelings. Hux's speech super fascisty you know when he's on the death star version planet because they really like that i mean they got that one plan and they're like you know what we could just make this one better just do it over and over again just do it bigger bro. yeah bigger. yeah bigger. And- um, so anyway so he's doing the whole speech to everybody and it is very like oh no worries we'll just reprogram people like when they're talking uh when he's talking Kylo is talking to Phasma about who we now know as Finn. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, well, he's never had any problem with conditioning. You know, we'll just, you know, check him out again. And it does kind of, we're, you know, just going to take over because we're quote unquote right and we should be in power. I mean, not so much right. It's more power hungry than it is like ideology of a belief other than just we're better than everybody else. Um, but I don't feel it has the same structure as we're seeing in these other um, examples of media, mainly because you don't have, like, Snook is just whatever the hell he is. We weren't given freaking context for him because Ryan Johnson was just like, screw whatever JJ did in the previous movie. Um, I feel like I'm rambling now, but that's fine. No, it's fine. But yeah, I feel like it's not as organized and not as clear-cut as 
space Nazis. And I feel like the empire. The empire, yeah. Especially when you know the origins of like the pre-empire with like the clone army. Yeah. Is it really that close to Nazis? I don't think so. Their uniforms though in the original trilogy were very reminiscent of Nazi uniforms. I mean, they still are, obviously, but that's that's because I'm, I feel like they kept the theme going. Yeah. Because again, you know, once that emperor finds a really good design, he's just going with that sucker. But it's all about that remix. Yeah. Um, if we're going into more obvious depictions, um, uh, if we want to talk, I, I, I would like to touch briefly on The Handmaid's Tale, though I don't want to go too deeply into it because I haven't gotten past the first... I watched the first half of season two and then I couldn't anymore, especially in today's political climate because it very much bothered me. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't watch season one. Like, I tried. I did. As you know, I hate-watched Iron Fist. On Netflix, I, I could not get through it. It was just too much. Um, I'm sure most people know the premise, but for those of you that don't, there's a small religious uh, Christian group who manages to take over the White House and the government and um, wishes to harken back to older days. So um, men are in power. My only the thing I don't understand is um, they're very much about gender, but somehow race isn't incorporated into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I feel like that's maybe a liberty taken by the show. I haven't read the book. In any case, um, women, there's a crisis going on. And uh, the Christian group um, claims that it's because women are behaving like they aren't intended to behave. So what's happening is the world's population is dropping because women can no longer get pregnant. The amount of births, but the birth rate's declining so fast that they cannot, it's kind of like the problem Japan is having right now. Um, They cannot keep up with the aging population and support them. There just aren't enough resources to do that. Um, and so women that are getting pregnant are having miscarriages and those who do have successful births, this Christian, um, government now has decided that they will become handmaidens. So they will be breeding. breeding. Yeah. They're, they're breeders. Um, they're try, they try to, um, brainwash them into saying that this is a duty for your country and for humanity as a whole. And then they disperse them to the elite leaders of the nation, because obviously those are the people that you want breeding, I guess. Mm -hmm. And what's kind of messed up is these people actually have wives and most of their wives are incapable of having children. So their wives sit there and watch while they basically rape another woman. And this, if a handmaid gets pregnant, they carry the pregnancy 
And the day that the baby is birthed, it's handed over to the wife and the handmaiden is just handed off to another family. So the wife and the high class male will raise this child. Mm-hmm. Not only that's just a brief summary. Now women are not allowed to read in the society. Uh, so all the women that can't have children are sent off to this terrible place um, where they're like guaranteed to get sick and die and have cancer to harvest um, minerals or whatnot. Or they're relegated to being wives of men and they have basically no rights anymore. Um, what you wear depends on your class. So you can immediately tell somebody's class based on what they wear and so on and so forth. And basically women are property. And it's all taking place in modern times. Um, And it shows throughout the series, there are flashbacks um, on how this happens gradually over time, which is scary. Um, Our main character is, uh, I think, a teacher or something. I don't know what she was, but um, her and her husband were working. And then all of a sudden she went to go buy groceries um, and her card wasn't working anymore. The bank basically said that she no longer has an account and is not entitled to an account. It must be under her her husband's name. And then it progresses to she's not allowed to use the card or take out money unless she has permission from her husband. And it's just the whittling of way of rights mm-hmm. little by little so you can't detect it. Um, there's another story arc with, uh, with a lesbian woman um, in which she sees her colleagues killed one after another. She's a professor and her wife is a legal Canadian citizen and they have a daughter and they go to flee to the border. And since she's American, she stopped at the border. And since it's shown that she has had a child, she is taken from her wife and child and given as property to the government to be issued as a handmaiden. It's terrible. There's um, mutilation and it's just hard to watch right now because you can see bits and pieces of that happening right now. Um, It's a real hard watch, but it very much um, targets, it makes women to be the enemy and women are the cause of why society is in a rut. Um, another series which I have not seen, I don't think you've seen it either. No, but we should probably watch it. I mean... Again, I just, yeah. I'm not in the mood to watch a alternate reality where the Nazis win. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there'd probably be a, really, a lot to discuss about that, but unfortunately, neither of us has seen it. Um, Though um, there's also been a string of other movies um, meant to take aim at Nazis and make it look bad, but have been actually adopted by the alt-right movement, as I say in quotations, um, Mm -hmm. Birth of a Nation being one of them. Um, It's meant to show fascism and Nazis as bad and ended up being some sort of weird symbol i don't know white nationalists love this movie and eat it up i guess and they see nothing wrong with it which kind of is fucked up 
but that's where we're at. I'm trying to think of anything more recent as well. I'm sure there's plenty. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Oh, we wanted to talk about Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, yeah. So Full Metal Alchemist, um, if you haven't seen it, it's amazing. You should have watched the original Brotherhood and then um, you should watch, I'm sure you should watch the original and then Brotherhood. In any case, it takes on very um, German influences with the military. There's a mm-hmm. fear. I mean, come on. There's literally a fear. There's literally a fear. Um, and Roy Mustang believes it's his duty to work within the system. He knows the system is corrupt, but his goal is still to become fear. Right. He only knows that the system is corrupt because in the war where they're trying to invade the neighboring country full of brown people, brown people, um, he does atrocious crimes, like war crimes. Like he just murders people, like towns worth of people at once um, with his fire alchemy. And it kind of isn't until the daughter of his mentor, who's also like clearly in love with him, and he's clearly in love with her, but whatever. With Hawk is like burn, she asks them to burn all of her father's work, which is like, I guess, tattooed on her body, which is a whole other thing we could talk about later about like, she's just a freaking poster. But anyway, oh, yeah. um, it's like really only then that he's just like, maybe this is wrong because she seems to be taking this pretty poorly. <laughs> and um, so then he's like, well, I'll just fix it from the inside of the system. And it's only within that guise that we start seeing that the military isn't inherently bad, but rather the hierarchy, like the upper ups are the problem. Yeah, I remember um, Edward constantly refers to himself as a dog of the military. And... Mm -hmm. Because that's what all the alchemists refer to, right? Yeah. Because they go and do all the dirty work. And I feel like at the end, he accepts being in the military. And once he accepts the military as as being, I guess, a worthy system, but with corrupt people. It's the people, not the system, I think. Maybe. Right, the people's problem. The people's problem. Um, he flourishes all of a sudden. He has an epiphany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does kind of do a Roy-esque move. I mean, mm-hmm. he is a, a protege of, of Roy, right? He's like, no, no, you're going about this all wrong. Like, what we got to do is just be the ones in power and then everything will be cool. Yeah, yeah, because if I'm in power, nothing bad will happen, right? No, I'll only punish the bad people, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I guess, going back to Lord of the Rings, um, that actually reminds me of Gandalf when Frodo offers the ring to Gandalf. And Gandalf is like, no, you would give this to me and I would originally use it to do good, but it will, but nothing good will come of this. Right. Um, and you see that reciprocated when they're in, um, uh, oh my God, Rivendell. 
and mm-hmm. the fellowship is being creative and Boromir insists on giving it to the steward of Gondor because they could only do th- good things of this. And then Elrond's like, nah, I see what men can do. You had a chance to drop this in to the volcano, to Mount Doom and finish this. And you kept it out here. You had a chance to fix your problem, throw it into the volcano, and you blew it. So why would I give men the ring again? I'm not going to do that. Then again, there's some inherent racism throughout this as well. Um, But in essence, I feel like... So Elrond tells Boromir, I've seen what you're going to do with the ring, what you do with the ring. You had your chance many years ago to end it and throw the ring into Mount Doom and you blew it. So why would I give the ring to man again? Mm-hmm. There's some inherent racism in here too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the original intent is Elrond saying, I'm not giving the ring. Or is it ageist? I think it's racist. It's when you have- it's just like, I'm super old. And because I'm super old, I already know how this is going to play out. But in any case, he agrees that no one should carry the ring besides Ferdo, because I guess hobbits are special in some. Except for poor Spiegel. True. Um, you know, it still corrupts hobbits, but it's in a different way. It's internally. Yeah, like maybe they just don't like, I want to take over the world. He's more like, I just want to have it. It's it's just mine. I got to take care of it. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like the ring is basically a symbol of fascism in and of itself. Yeah, I could see that. It was created to rule all the other rings. Mm-hmm. So in essence, it is fascism. Anyways, back to the original point where we were talking about crap. We're, that was a huge tangent. Where did we leave off? We were last talking about <laughs> how um, you're trying to fix the system from the inside. inside. Yeah. Uh, with Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Like I said, in Kogia, Suzaku has the same thing, but he continually is slapped in the face because he's Japanese. And right. the white He's people ultimately an outsider within the power structure. Yep. And that's I mean, the system was created by the oppressor. Colonial. Yeah. Yeah, that's just straight up colonialism, Nick. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think fascism has many elements to it. Obviously, genocide. There's a lot of stuff going on there because it, it does have a lot of classism at one point. Um, you know. The poor become the them. Mm-hmm. You have this elitism. Um, you were talking about we were talking about Gattaca, and I was also thinking about Elysium. Elysium. I can't pronounce this. But with Matt Damon, yeah, where it's like all the super rich people have just basically gone to the moon or whatever. Oh yeah, on Earth is just like jacked up, mm-hmm. and he does all of this crazy body hacking to make his way up there 
And then I think ultimately, you know, like he's a good guy at heart. And so he gives up a spot for the little girl who needs some sort of genetic rewriting. They put her in that bed. Um, it looks like a sun tanning booth. Yeah. And it saves her. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then I think he dies. Hmm. Clearly a memorable movie for me. <laughs> um, I'm also thinking like Battlestar Galactica. Hmm. Is there anything like, are the Cylons like that? Well, they are super like, we need to be the ones in charge. But I, I also feel that there's more along the lines of, which is another trope we could talk about in a different uh, episode, which is basically Isaac Asimov's laws of robotics. Like we can't let AI mm. become self-aware mm-hmm. because then it will realize that we are the problem. Like I'm looking at you, Skynet. I'm like, what is the metropolis? Is it metropolis? There's a whole bunch of like anime I remember watching where basically you have like an overarching uh, AI that's in now yeah. in charge of the city. And then it decides that really the problem are the humans. And if we just Matrix. get rid of the humans, everything will be fine. The Matrix. Yeah, Matrix. You know, um, so I kind of feel like the silence are more along that line mm-hmm. than like straight up fascists. Okay. Even though within the Cylons, there is this whole um, us versus them between the original Cylons and then the ones that are more... Um, Humanized. Yeah, anthropomorphic. Mm-hmm. Mm. Such a good series, though. God damn. Oh, yeah. Watch Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Anyways, um, now that we've covered a lot of symbolism and portrayal in media, um, how do you think fascism should be portrayed i mean i do think the stance of the man in the high castle Mm -hmm. is interesting because inherently by casting the the protagonists as the rebellion it automatically makes fascism aka in this case in the specter of the nazis Let's be clear, Nazis are not the only fascists we've ever had in history. Um, yeah, they're just some of the most well-known and it, most used. They had better branding, I guess is what it really boiled down to. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a good way to do it. And I understand what Mel Brooks was talking about and just, you know, creating the satire. But the problem with satire sometimes, I feel, is that you can't control how somebody else interprets what you put out into the world, right? And so if you put it in a way that could be misconstrued as being a positive, humanizing type of thing, um, then people think it's okay. And the most interesting kind of parallel to that that I've seen recently is when you and I were talking about this earlier, Stephen Colbert, Mm-hmm. The actual individual, right? Yes. And Colbert from the Colbert Report is a character. But people were like, nah, that guy's right on it. And you're just like, like, I'm being so over the top. I'm being so clearly extreme in what I'm talking about. Um, 
because I'm making fun of it. But people thought that those were his actual legitimate, like it was like Fox News. They thought it just happened to be on another channel, but he was Bill O'Reilly. And even though he's like clearly mocking things. I mean, there's a laugh track. Yeah. You know, like it's just a lot. Um, He talks about how a lot of people took it seriously and did not understand that it was a joke. And he dismisses this a lot and makes fun of people who think that he's real. But in the end, it's actually a problem. Right. You can't just, just dismiss that. Right. Because it just reinforces people's belief, right? So um, that, I think, is another interesting thing. It's not fascist-related, per se, um, but it does speak to, like, when you're talking about popular media and comedy, right? When you're poking fun at something as critique of society um, and people misinterpreting it, potentially. So I remember um, I really enjoyed watching The Chappelle Show. I felt... I've always felt from his uh, stand-up that he's really good at observing society, American society in particular, and really calling out certain things like his whole talk about watching cartoons as an adult and seeing Pepe Le Pew and being like, dang, okay, that was... Like, you can't just go and do that. Like, that's just super rapey. And talking about Sesame Street with Oscar the Grouch and be like, well, you're indoctrinating kids to be like, oh, homeless people are just, you know, grouchy. They're just, they want to do that. They want to be living out of a garbage can. Really interesting stuff. And that whole like special rules for special people. Like, I didn't know I couldn't do that is one of my favorite bits for his. Um, that and, and clearly the racist South with the chicken. Do you know what I'm talking about, Nikki? Actually, this is from Killing Him Softly. Oh my gosh. So it's like he goes into a restaurant and um, before he even orders, right, the the waiter has, they're in the South, mm-hmm. has decided, like, obviously this guy is going to order chicken. And you're like, he's just like, what do you mean? How did, how did this man know I was going to order chicken? And then... Uh, he talks about the waiter saying, well, everyone knew the moment you walked in this door, you were going to order chicken. And it's basically because of the fact that he's African-American, that he was bound by that very fact to get chicken. And you're just like, whoa. And obviously, like, you know, he turns it in and it's really interesting. He's been so good at this. But one of the things that uh, regarding why he walked away from the Chappelle show at the peak of its popularity was because he was talking about in later interviews, he stated he wasn't sure if they were laughing with him or at him. And he didn't want to make it seem like it was okay to you know, make light of the crack epidemic of the 80s, that it was okay to make light of racism. Like he famously did the sketch where the black blind dude 
doesn't know what race he's, he has been assigned because he's blind. So he just assumes that he's white because he does. And then he becomes like a prominent figure in the KKK, but no one wants to tell him nor reveal the race of him because he's got the hood on anyway. It's, it's like really intriguing, but I feel that it, it, maybe I've veered off a lot on this because it's, it's been a whirlwind of a week for me, but I kind of feel like it's very interesting to see the way that what art is put out into the world is interpreted and molded in the eye of that beholder. And so with fascism and these types of oppressive situations that are being depicted in our media, it's not always as clear cut if it's a commentary and saying it's bad for the sake of being bad and just kind of like characterizing them or if it's bad on the principles that it stands on. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So I would put to if satire can be misrepresented it seems like more often than not, serious takes are held up as idealistic within the, mm-hmm. I don't want to use alt-right movement, with the Nazi movement. I'm just going to say with the Nazis. Um, they put these portrayals on a pedestal, um, despite the fact that they are meant to show them in the opposite light. So yeah. what, which is the right way to do it? Um, because you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's what sucks, right? Because you can't control how other people interpret something. So would you say maybe we shouldn't include them? In media, despite them being, I mean, obviously they're very important. We can't just ignore what's going on. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you can't discuss it. You can't not discuss it. Right. Um, so it's just, it seems like a conundrum. Um, then you have shows like um, SNL who try to take whatever's relevant and turn those into shorter skits. Mm-hmm. But those don't always pan out. Those don't always age well. I've gone back yeah. and looked at at uh, past portrayals of Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of those, I'm like, ooh, that's mm-hmm. not great. Um, but like I said, um, maybe it would be wise just not to include them at all and maybe only allude to them. But even if we allude to fascism, um, I feel like people will still worship those images. I think you're always going to have an audience for something that gives the allure of power in that way Mm -hmm. and justifies anger towards insert your other here but i think the only way it really doesn't quite get so shiny and so alluring for the masses is through education and like talking about what those things are and having different representations in media like okay fine let's have fascism but let's have actual representations of other people's 
of other ideas, of other cultures, so that it's not just the stereotype that you have, mm. but you're able to move beyond that and be like, oh, well, that's just an actual living human being. Because I think the lure and the, the ease with which fascism kind of glosses over a lot of these atrocities that have been done, um, it's because it dehumanizes the other. Like that's mm -hmm. the whole point of dehumanizing another so that you can justify doing things that you wouldn't do to other human beings. But since they don't technically count as full human, then it's okay. You know, I think um, a good portrayal was um, recently was uh, Chernobyl, which occurred during Soviet Russia. Mm -hmm. um, and you see how the government, once things went to hell um, and they weren't sure how they were going to pan out, instead of helping the people, which are 100% Soviet Russians, they're not othered at all, they um, basically said, well, that's too much work and we don't want our secrets getting out to our... Uh, we don't want to compromise what our image is to the rest of the world because power is everything. Because even though they say that you are one of them, if it becomes between you and their perception of power, they're going to go with the perception of power and you're going to be thrown to the pits. You're disposable, even if you are one of them. And Chernobyl displayed that very well because as soon as sh shit hit the fan, um, even though they didn't realize it was as serious as it was going to be, um, the immediate orders were to cut off all phone lines to outside of the town, to not tell anybody what was going on, and not to evacuate. Yeah. And then it goes just further and further to the point where um, one of the main scientists discovers the reason why the core actually exploded. And it turns out that the government actually knew the entire time that this was capable of exploding and never told anyone. And the main scientist finds out that, I mean, well, you can read about Chernobyl anyways, but um, he was paid off to have a sham of a court case of a court being in court and testifying. And he was supposed to read from a script and instead he goes off script and reveals what and how and why what led up to this and he tells the truth and so the entire science community finally figures out what actually happened um but they destroy him they don't kill him but they destroy his livelihood um they take away all of his accolades um to the point where he commits suicide just like a year afterwards, I think it was. Um, and I feel like that was a very good portrayal because it didn't glorify. It was a very real image because of, it was an actual, it wasn't fictional, it was a real thing that happened. And it showed what the system actually is like. It's all about protecting itself. It may say that, and the propaganda that it spins 
to make you think it's us versus them. Right. And the interesting thing about Chernobyl in particular was that it was a heavily um, Hasidic Jewish center, like second half of the 18th century and into um, all the way through World War One and two. Um, in fact, you know, the Jewish community was pretty much wiped out during the Nazi occupation. Um, and then 20 years later, that's, and then the Soviet Union takes a hold of it because it's near the Ukraine. So it becomes part of it. Stalin, super, they're not a fan of the Jewish population either. And so it's interesting that they would decide to put a nuclear reactor in a place that had been historically very Jewish and had been wiped out over and over and over again and conquered through the Polish and the Germans mm-hmm. and the Russians through uh, Stalin's policies. And they disposed of so many people mm-hmm. in order to fix this. Um, there were coal miners that were sent to dig. A lot of them died horrifically. Um, so many firefighters that were sent to the site without knowing what they were doing. They were just told the fire was going on. They were basically sacrificed. Um, all the military members they sent out there, they were basically sacrificed. They right, because were... technically it's Ukraine. Yes. They're not like full Russians. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It is a bit of othering to justify the like, oh, well, the loss of life here is fine because they're not, you know. And it wasn't until it threatened... Because at the beginning, they kind of wrote it off like it's not that serious. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until it threatened real Russia Mm -hmm. um, that they started doing shit. Right. That they started suddenly caring. When when they mentioned that it could reach Moscow, that's when they started caring. But even then, they still threw lives away. Right. I think they portray it a little bit better in there like people actually cared about lives but in the end they still threw lives away yeah so i think that the main thing is just showing different different versions of people does that make sense because mm-hmm. if you if you break up the homogeny of these various stereotypical uh characters you know like your token whatever in either a comic book or in TV or in a movie, if you get rid of all these tokens and actually have full-fledged individuals that happen to also be of whatever mm-hmm. uh, culture or ethnicity or heritage or religion or persuasion or whatever, you know, like just having multiple examples and having people be portrayed as people and not as a token, you really start making it more difficult to have this kind of blank. Um, grouping of individuals mm-hmm. which is one of the things that i really really enjoyed about watching always be my maybe mm-hmm. as you know i have a problematic relationship with rom-coms mm-hmm. but and this is clearly a rom-com but i so thoroughly enjoyed that it is simultaneously hyper specific to culture like her dynamic with her parents um, mm-hmm. and the reasons why they were never home, and then the dynamics of um, 
of his family mm-hmm. and everything interlaced with obviously like hip hop. Love that soundtrack. Um, I thought it was really, really interesting because you didn't have to be Korean to understand the role that food played. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and uh, the person I'm in with right now really appreciated that the fact that they distinguish between different Asian cultures. Yes, it was not just like everyone is the same quote unquote blanket Asian. Yes, because a lot of people, especially in media, um, they're just like, oh, Asian. So they must like this and they must do these things. Um, and I was listening to NPR and the, crea- the creators were on an interview and they said that they're very surprised at how um, many compliments they got just the little details like taking off your shoes running through the house and putting them back on um cutting things with scissors yeah just small things like that and they said that to them that was just everyday life but then they realized that companies or studios that try to pander to that audience don't put those little things in or they overly exaggerate them to the point where they're not believable or genuine Right, like the the scene between our protagonist, Marcus, and his dad, mm-hmm. where they're clearly at like a sauna. Yeah. But they're not in the typical like tiny little kimonos. Yeah, they're in a bathhouse, I believe. They're in a bathhouse, but it's not the scene in a bathhouse you always get. Yeah, it's very real. It's, it's very like, real and it's it's close and you don't have to see all these other people. Like it's it's not that they're the scene is not about them being in a bathhouse. Yeah. And it's particularly because that's not a Japanese bathhouse because like they're not Japanese. Right. It's their exactly. yeah. It was very specific, to, and but it wasn't like calling like the purpose of that scene was not like, and now we're in a bathhouse. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really interesting. I and Keanu Reeves is everything in that movie for me. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like it's very important to to be inclusive with media and have more representation. And obviously, we don't speak for all cultures. Um, we just speak for at least what we would like to see. Um, honestly. On a side note, I feel like Disney putting a Latinx princess as a TV show and not as an actual movie was a bit of a cop-out, but she's pretty popular, so I'll forgive them. <laughs> Hopefully she gets her own real movie and not a yeah. major TV movie, a full-length feature, please. Yeah, that'd be good. But I mean, I feel better about things. I think it's getting closer. <laughs> Especially in the climate right now where there's so much othering. Oh, Uh, so much hate. There's a lot of hate. And it's not just towards one particular group. It's just like an a la carte of hate. And I I thought things, you know, popping in like Coco was -hmm. really great because it was just so specific, but Mm -hmm. wasn't. Um, What was the the movie that came to short that won the op? About the dim sum? Oh, Bao? Bao, I think. So. So I think we're getting there. I mean, I think slowly but surely, these are the waves that we unfortunately go through, right? Like this is not the first time we've 
found ourselves in a political climate as we do today. But I mean, good omens. Good omens. Oh my God, that entire thing with the boycott. Oh, we were trying to yeah. get Because um, um, Adam. Because yeah. Adam's you, black and God's a woman. Yeah. But they were just like petitioning Netflix to cancel it, but it's not on Amazon. It's on Amazon. And so the Amazon's like, well, if you cancel it, we're canceling Stranger Things. (laughs) (laughs) And when you're blind, if your hate is that blind that you can't even do like a quick Google search of who it is you should be angry at. Yeah. And to be fair, it's not just uh, America that is no just right now. Um, things going on in Europe. Um, All the rage again. Yeah, again, it's even popping up in like. Why yeah. do we keep doing this? It's like every hundred years, you're like, you know, we'd be swell, some more fascism. But I feel like we've gone on a long tangent. But it's oh. all super relative because fashion. Yeah fascism blah 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 i swear i can say the word is a giant beast and there are very there are many elements to it and they reach deep into different parts of culture and different aspects of culture Mm -hmm. absolutely and i think again it's not just important what the intent of the creator was um in those depictions but also in the education of the topics at hand. So like if you never fully understood what fascism was and kind of what has been done in the name of that ideology, I could see how you'd be like, oh, springtime with it, there's a super cute, innocuous type of a song. But then you're like, dude, no, it was not an innocuous thing. Um, to cite the the producers. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really interesting. I think it's something that can be super tropey in media, especially when it is used as the problem is not the people, but the system. Like we saw with Full Metal Alchemist, Mm -hmm. like we see with a bunch of different things where it's just like, we can fix it from the inside, guys. But if that system is fascist, inherently, it's always going to rely on redefining that other to maintain the power of the self-defined us. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Awesomeness. That I feel like we've definitely had an extra long episode this time, but I feel like it was definitely worth it. Yeah. Because this is a very relevant topic today, um, and it's making a comeback, and it's very important that people understand why it's making a comeback and why and how it's portrayed in media and what the intent is versus how people are reacting and why people are reacting to media meant to play a satire or to be mocked and instead owning it as a symbol of power. Oh my gosh, real quick before we forget. How did I not bring this up earlier? The Kree in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. 
super brainwashy as well. And like just Thanos and his punkiness. All right, guys. <laughs> or peeps. Peeps. Yeah, let's go with peeps. I like Thanks for peeps. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been trying to change my my language for a while. Growing up in the Midwest, everyone says you guys. So I've been trying to change it to peeps. Because I'm not really a big fan of y'all. I just don't like but it. It, so it really does peeps. work, though. It does. Y'all it does. Work. But it's not. It works. This is technically but, but y'all. It's inclusive. It is. Um, so sometimes, a lot of times I say you peeps and you you all. I don't say y'all. I just say you all. Yes. Um, thanks. And now we have our resident outro. Ooh, outro time. What? what? Wow, wow, so, air horns. Bah, 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 bah. So trip time is supported by our awesome patrons. And again, if you want to check out more details on what this membership service in particular for Nerd On Nation entails, make sure that you go to nerdon.io backslash Patreon. Now, when you do this, you get some awesome stuff. And I want to talk about that really quickly. And basically, we have a Discord chat that is dedicated to trope time. You can talk to Nikki, to myself, and other trope timers about previous episodes, our latest episode, topics you want to talk about for future episodes, all that kind of good stuff. And then really what it just boils down to is having an open discussion regarding all things about how we could just make the world suck less, little by little. So check out our stuff as well as the fact that Nikki and I sometimes write articles for NerdOn website which is pretty cool. So you can check out the website at nerdon.tv. And basically, shout out to our friends on Nerd on the Podcast. So if you like pop culture and fandom, check them out too. They're pretty nifty. Yeah, they're pretty cool. They're cool. <laughs> also, um, I will be attending Anime Expo this year, um, as well as San Diego Comic-Con. And I'm gunning for, gunning for crunchy roll times. Crunchy roll time, crunchy roll expo. I don't know how I got time out of that. So, um, so look forward to that. Yeah, Nikki and I will be um, joining two other nerd on uh, folks for San Diego Comic Con as well later this month. So that's super exciting. And if you get a chance, hit us up on our Discord chat and tell us kind of what you're most looking forward to from all of the stuff, either at Anime Expo or at San Diego Comic-Con. It's going to be great. And with that, we shall see you later. See you, hear you, listen to you. What is it? See you later. Um, Nikki, I mean, we are, we love you all, but that would be kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. All right, bye. (laughs) And so it ends.